You know, 11 weeks ago, we started a new sermon series here. Um, Identity was the title, the focus. And we told you we were going to be stepping into Paul's letter to the Ephesians to do that, to wrestle with these truths he unpacks. As he writes, he pins this letter from a prison cell to the church that he loved, the Christians he helped find Jesus in the town of Ephesus. So, you know, for the last 11 weeks, we've been pouring through that. You know, we've been talk, highlighting these truths and wrestling with those, the, the truth that we are blessed and called, that we can be filled with hope that we are God's poema or his, his masterpiece, that we're children who don't have to live in fear, that we're one body, that we are relationally revolutionary as Jesus takes the center of our relationships. In his life groups, you know, we've gathered around this good news and we've, we've wrestled with it in ways that's really challenged us to find our identity in Christ. So a couple weeks ago, I reached out to life group leaders and I said, do you have any stories, any God stories we could share? And the response really encouraged me. We're going to hear two God stories this morning. And we're going to start with a couple of life group leaders. Carlin and Anna Bird are going to share with us today. Carlin and Anna, if you'll come on out, we'll be ready to start a conversation. Give Carlin and Anna a hand as they join us to share their God story. So Carlin and Anna lead a life group um, predominantly with uh, young married couples, or young couples. And, uh, well, I'm sure you guys have lots of fun uh, together. Um, you know, these guys have a tremendous heart. Now, you need to know they got married in August of this last year, so they are the definition of young married, right? Still newlyweds, living the dream, um, and excited for you guys. Of course, Pete preached a sermon like, like last week or a week before last about how difficult marriage can be too. That's right, so <laughs> you understand. Uh, just in the room, you know, there's this, this saying, I guess, most young couples here after they get married, it's ironic that it's always after you get married, that the first year is the hardest year. How many of you guys would say, you guys that have been married would say that was true for you? Raise your hand if that was, and now your spouse might be like, what? What do you mean it was the hardest? It was the greatest year of our lives. Um, there's something about that, right? Um, well, we met this week and talked about how God was working on your hearts and on you two as a married couple. While we were stepping through Ephesians, your group was doing a marriage study and wondering at your identity as, as married couples. So I'm excited to hear from you guys. I know these guys are. How has the Lord opened your eyes and strengthened your identity in Christ over the last few months as we've been wrestling with identity? So I'd start by saying that um, he's really been teaching us what it means to be his church and not mm. just attend church Amen. and what it means to call ourselves Christians. Um, it actually started with Ephesians chapter 2, the first half. Um, starts talking about how we once were dead like the rest of the world in our sins mm. and um, ends up saying that we are now alive by his spirit. And as we read it, we realized how easy it is to just roll over that, like it's not profound. Right. Um, so just for the dramatic effect of what that should look like, Ezekiel 37, 1 through 14, talks yeah. about 
how it's a valley of dry, dead bones, and that's what we used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and as Ezekiel prophesies over the bones, they come back to life, tendons, flesh, breath, all comes back, and then suddenly it's a powerful army for God. Yeah. And that's the dramatic effect we should all be living out. We should all be this powerful army that is so dramatically changed that people would wonder what happened. Yeah. Um, and so that's something that we've been learning, um, something that God's been teaching us and drawing us into really digging deep into what that would look like for us. Um, we also turn to like John thirteen thirty five talks about um, people would know that we're his disciples by how we love each other. Mm-hmm. And so we're now called to love everybody supernaturally in such a way that we would draw them to Jesus. Yeah. And, Amen. You know, it's cool to, to hear that and thank these guys. You know, in your first year of marriage, you, you got so much going on. So much is changing, um, you know, what you do with the, the toothpaste and how that works, right? The, the small things that turn into big things. And it's interesting that in the midst of all of that, in your group, and as you led your group, you could see the bigger picture, that it's about love and loving each other well and how cool that is. And if you don't mind, speak to that. Just, you know, when you get married, there's this challenge. Um, as you're figuring out your own identity, then you're also, as a couple, figuring out who you are and how that works. So uh, if you don't mind, give us um, an idea of, of how God has given you eyes to see, like, your marriage differently in Christ. Not just the fact that you're married, but that you're married in Christ and what that really means for you. Yeah, definitely. So, um as newlyweds, you can often focus on um, the immediate, um, like starting your life together, starting building your careers, um, attaining material possessions, just kind of um, focusing on each other. And um, then in that as well, just kind of having the Christianized American dream um, and just, yeah, focusing on um, the temporary. And I... I definitely experienced that going into marriage, and um, even if you're not married, I'm sure you can can uh, relate to that at times. But um, as we read through Ephesians five, um, the part that stood out the most was Ephesians five twenty four through twenty seven, where um, the picture of Christ in the church is um, compared to the wife and the husband, where the wife is to um, respectfully submit to her husband as the church does to Christ and his leadership. Um, and as well, the, hus- uh, the husband is to sacrificially love the wife um, as Christ does the church body. And so that, um, many people have probably read over that before, but that really became real, seeing that uh, that is very very important in a um, rightly aligned marriage relationship. And that's something that I definitely have taken on for myself. And we've experienced more joy being um, in that place of uh, trying to live out God's intention for marriage. Amen. And I remember we were sitting and talking at breakfast about that tension. And and you, you said it, and it hit me sitting there with you, the great gift you've experienced as a married couple that as you've chosen to pursue the Lord, you've become a better wife to Carlin. And as Carlin has chosen to pursue the Lord, he's become this, this husband that you want. But the, the Lord has to be in that. And what a beautiful thing that is as your marriage has, has grown. Okay, so sitting with you at breakfast, I also noticed, like, you, you guys have this passion to serve, like, to do ministry together. Um, 
in a year when you could spend your time doing all these other things. You guys said, yeah, we'll, we'll lead a group. Like, we'll lead a life group and open up our, our place to have people over. And man, thinking that way, that doesn't just happen. How has that happened in you guys? How has Christ formed that in you that together you want to serve? So I'll say we started out realizing that we were missing something. Um, we knew all the promises that the Bible has, such as joy, peace, love, power, um, just all of those things that we weren't seeing in our life. We were seeing all these circumstances that weren't adding up. We weren't having joy in those things. Mm. And what we realized is that we did not walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm. So over Freedom Weekend during Soul Care, we shared with Martha and Pete that we would like to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And ever since then, um, you know, we've always believed in the Bible and everything that it says, but the Word really came to life when that happened. And so I just want to point to like Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Um, that's one of the last things Jesus said on earth. And that was, first of all, all authority on, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So what he just did was declared himself king of everything. Yeah. And then he says, go and make disciples. So the king of everything has just given us a command. And who am I to be on the wrong side of that. I don't want to disobey that command. Yeah. Um, and then it comes with a promise as well that he will go with us wherever yeah. we go. So that's really been powerful for us to just realize all of us as Christians are called to the same mission. It might not look the same. Not everybody's going to be a pastor or a missionary to Africa, but everybody is called to make disciples. Mm -hmm. And so when we realized that, we decided to take it seriously and pursue it. Amen. What a beautiful thing it is to see you guys doing that. And um, your group kind of gathering with you and seeing them grow. Okay, so, so for people um, out there who are thinking, well, this sounds like, okay, like these guys are walking Bibles. They just keep like quoting things and they just know all this and they're not like me and they're, what do you say to that? You know, there's this temptation to say, well, what I'm hearing is, well, I should do this and this and this and then I'll have a good life. What do you say to that? So I would say, first of all, to read the Bible for yourself. It speaks to everybody, and it's living, and it's real, and it's the truth. So mm -hmm. don't just take my word for it. Read it. Yeah. Um, I would also say that one thing you just said is everything's going to be good, and that's just not true. Um, circumstances can still be pretty terrible, but joy and peace all comes with this life of walking in faith. Um, you know, nothing circumstantially has changed for us, but everything spiritually has changed for us as a result of all this. Um, and just to talk more into that, it's not just going to be great all the time. The Bible promises that as Christians, we're going to suffer. It says that we can rejoice in that suffering. It says that we share in his glory because of that suffering. Um, so, I, you know, we're not shying away from the suffering, but we're just choosing joy in the midst of it. And we can see it. Um, you guys give Carlin and Anna a hand. Thank them for sharing with us. Well done, guys. You know, it's, uh, it's powerful to hear those, those words of testimony, right, to say. And I'll tell you, it, it's interesting. Like, I didn't coach Carlin and Anna to say, okay, well, okay, when I ask this, then you say that. And then, no, this is just who they are. And it's who they are because they're choosing to let God shape them mold them. I hope you, you heard that from them. I'm going to invite another uh, couple of people out to share. And ironically enough, we're going to hear from another uh, Carlin. Um, Carlin Wetzel is going to come out with Joy OT, and they're going to share. Now, 
Joy uh, O.T. and Aaron Seegers, who prayed uh, just a minute ago, and Matt Gordon, who is worshiping right here at this, this mic, they lead a group of young professionals. They meet on Wednesday nights, and they've got a group that's just kind of bursting at the seams. A lot of great things are happening in that group. And this is the group that Carlin uh, kind of came to at the beginning of this year. And I'm excited for you to hear her story uh, about how God has shaped her during a time that's, that's included a whole lot of change and transition in her life. So, Joy and Carlin, come on out. You guys can take it away. Hello. Hi, everyone. Hi. <laughs> I'm Joy. This is Carlin. I'm Carlin. Um, like Pastor Keith said, I co-lead a life group with Aaron Seegers and Matt Gordon, and we call ourselves the GEM group, Joy, Aaron, Matt, because we're very uh, creative. <laughs> Um, anyway, I met Carlin actually in college. We both went to UVA and were part of Chi Alpha there. I think that we met, or we're pretty sure we met for the first time on a spring break trip to Atlanta. We went on a missions trip together. But um, having graduated and now getting used to young adulthood has been really awesome to have you in Life Group and to get to process through what it means to be a Christian in the day-to-day -day and... Um, in our workplaces and our relationships and everything. So I'm really excited for Carlin to share. Uh, Carlin, what would you say? Um, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, so I'll try to keep it brief here. I brought notes. We'll see if I use them. Um, I'm from Richmond, Virginia, originally. Uh, grew up in a Christian home with parents who took me to church uh, and loved me really well. But a similar story to a lot of people out there probably who went to college and joined a Christian fellowship is that I really found who Jesus was in college um, and learned what the gospel meant for my life uh, and what he had done for me and how that changes everything. Um, and so I was in Chi Alpha Christian Fellowship in college. Um, and then I, that was a wonderful experience, met all of my best friends there, but again, also learned who Jesus was and what that was supposed to mean for post-grad life. Um, I officially graduated in December, but before that I had finished undergrad in May. Um, and this year was supposed to be a fifth year add-on to get my master's of teaching. Um, and so it's been a weird year where I was still a student, um, but not really. I was in the workplace. I did my student teaching at Monticello High School in the fall. If anybody out there goes there, has a child that goes there, I am there. Um, and I'm working there again now. Um, so that's kind of what has gotten me here, um, just fresh out of UVA and in the workplace and trying to figure out what life looks like through a lot of transitions. Yeah. Um, as a church and as a life group as well, we've been going through the book of Ephesians, and Paul talks about how our identity being in Christ should change everything, like what you were saying, um, should change how we view ourselves, how we view our work, how we view our relationships. What does that look like for you as we've been kind of reminding ourselves of what it means that our identities are in Christ? What does it look like for you in a season of transition specifically? Sure. Um, 
So I feel like it's no secret, and hopefully other people out there feel the same way, that transitions in life are really tough. Um, really hard to keep my identity founded in Christ as everything else is changing. Um, and this has been a tough season going into the workforce, specifically in education. Um, I feel really strongly that it's what the Lord has called me to do for now in this season. Um, but something I told Keith and Joy yesterday when we were meeting is specifically in this line of work in public school, sometimes it feels like I have a cage on my tongue and I can't speak about who Jesus is um, to these kids who are really hurting, like we just talked about as a church body, um, for all the reasons under the sun, when they're scared, when they're lonely, um, when I have truth to offer to them or to my coworkers. Um, it's just been difficult in a season of transition coming out of college into the workplace um, to share who he is, um, and such a big part of who I am. Um, but something that I think he's been calling me to do in this season, and something we talk about every week in Life Group, I think, is that to have our identity in Christ, especially as young professionals in the workplace, trying to establish ourselves well, is um, to be his hands and feet when we can't be his mouthpiece, per se. Um, what it looks like to love people in a way that points back to Christ, that shows um, that our identity is in him. It's not in our success at work. It's not in the conversations of worry that we have at lunch with coworkers about everything under the sun. Um, it's not in stress about trying to find a permanent position or um, all of the things like that. So I think that is what it has looked like in a season of transition is to remember what it looks like to love in a way that looks like Jesus even when I can't speak about who he is. Yeah, I feel like every Wednesday, Carlin says something like that, and I'm like, yeah, you should be leading our group. <laughs> um, yeah, I am also in a season of transition, and so I, it's been like a blessing to um, share with each other and learn together. But I know that many of you are not really in a season of transition, you might feel more established and rooted and used to your routines and rhythms and whatnot. So what would you say, Carlin, um, out of what some of the things God's been teaching you to those of us who um, are, are used to being adults or kind of in the rhythm of what we're doing, not in a big decision-making time in our lives? Sure. Um, I think something that we, we talked about, Aaron, one of our leaders, challenged us a couple of weeks ago when we were moving through Ephesians. I think it's chapter four, yeah, where there are like a million things listed for what we're supposed to do as Christians that are so tough sometimes, um, how we're supposed to love people. Um, she challenged us to go into the workplace and do things tangibly. And that's what we try to leave small group, life group with every week is like a tangible thing to do. And for me and for a lot of us, that looked like, what does it mean to be a person of peace in the workplace? Um, what does it mean to be someone when a coworker comes to me and is um, upset, complaining about a child, another coworker, something outside of work, whatever it is, to hear them and 
empathize with them, but have a response of hope or a tone of hope instead. Um, Even if I'm not sharing the gospel outright with them in the hallway with all these students around or at lunch, um, just having a different response, like the way that we speak should be filled with hope. Um, I think that is what I've been learning a lot this year uh, because it feels so easy if I want to love the people I'm around to commiserate um, and empathize by also being uh, sounding hopeless or worried or letting that come out first, but instead being hopeful first. Um, And yeah, I think that's something that we talk about a lot every week that that is a way to show Jesus in the workplace and yeah, just be a person of peace. Um, Before Pastor Keith comes back out, is there anything else that you want to share with us? Sure. Um, Since we're talking a lot about life groups this Sunday, uh, before I came to college, I was never in a life group. I didn't really understand what that meant. Um, And when I joined my core group my first year of college, it changed my whole life, understanding what it looks like to truly do life with people. And in the fall, my life was stranger than it had ever been, busier than it had ever been. And I truly believed at the time that the Lord was asking me to take space and not join a life group. Um, I thought that he'd be able to speak to me better that way or if I like gave myself a little room to breathe. And that was just so not true. Um, I felt so stagnant in the fall in my growth with Jesus more than I ever had, but especially compared to the four years before that. Um, And so joining Life Group in January was an act of obedience at at first, um, but has been such a rich blessing in my life over the past couple of months. Um, Just a place where I can come, breathe, be with other people who are also trying to figure out what it looks like to, to follow Jesus, to love Jesus, and be his hands and feet out in the world. And Um, environments that might even be hostile to him. So um, it's something that I am so thankful that I have done, and I'm so thankful that we have here to be a part of life groups. Um, Yeah, it's just been a huge blessing in my life over the past couple of months. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, Ladies, a hand. Thank you. Well done. You know, it's, it's fun to hear stories like that and and I don't know whether you're in a life group right now. I don't just, I don't see LG over your heads when I look at you. I can't, I can't tell for sure. I know we've had a lot of people over the last few months give life groups a chance, maybe for the first time. And I hope your life has been as blessed as Carlin and Anna and as Carlin and Joy and others in the room. But here's the truth. Like, life groups aren't the secret sauce. Like, it's, it's not like if you jump in a life group, it's going to automatically change your life. And I know that means I'm probably, um, that's not good sales, right? Like, but, but I'm just telling you the truth. God changes lives. Life groups just happen to be a vehicle he loves to use to get that done. When we gather around good news together and we really share our lives and we find this life that's, that's truly life. And then we, we decide to serve the, the people around us and it changes our city and, and even our world when we're willing to do that. You know, I want to I reach into Ephesians one last time together and kind of wrap up this series on identity that, that we've been doing. And to do it, I, I want you to think about your identity a little bit. And when you go to work, do you wear something that screams, this is who I am? If you're a doctor, you might wear a lab coat and people are like, yeah, there, there goes Dr. Rogers. No one's ever said that. Or maybe, you, uh, maybe you're 
one of those people that's a, a bus driver or something, and you wear a uniform to drive your bus. You know, a lot of times that's true for us. We, we wear something that screams what we do. You know, Paul finishes his letter to the Ephesians in a way kind of pointing to, to a way we should be clothed if we're really in Christ. And I want us to, to read that together. It's not on the screen, but uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, then you can just listen to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 17. As Paul wraps up his letter to the Ephesians, he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Now, I, I want to make sure you understand this isn't a call to, to dress up like a Roman soldier. This isn't a call to just, you know, play costume, dress up day. It's, this is a call to be clothed in Christ. He is our truth. He is our righteousness. He is our faith. He is our readiness. He's all of these things Paul is mentioning. And I don't want you to miss that. It's, you know, we've, in our family, we've emphasized through the years, you know, just before we leave the house, like praying on the armor of God. But it's not about the words. It's not even about the individual pieces. It's about one who can clothe us so that we're dressed for success, to live lives of purpose and of victory. And I hope you haven't missed that. I hope you saw that on display as Carlin and Anna and Carlin shared. They have found in Christ someone who can make of them and of their lives so much more than they could ever have on their own. And it brings me to this moment. I want to challenge you to put feet to your faith where you're sitting right now. There are three things I want to challenge you with right now in this room. And it reminds me of a story in 1 Kings because it was kind of sudden. In 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 19 through 21, um, Elijah has just had this wonderful moment on Mount Carmel. He's done this amazing thing. God sent down fire, and it's this great victory, but he's worn out. He runs away, and in a cave, God meets him, and he comforts him, and he gives him a promise. There are others who will, who will go with you. So he sends him back to, to grab hold of an apprentice who will walk with him, whose name is Elisha. And when Elijah shows up to call Elisha, he just, Elijah just takes his cloak and he throws it around Elisha and he keeps on walking. And it's very sudden. And Elisha's like, oh. and he runs to Elijah. He says, wait, wait. He understands what's going on. He understands he's been called to follow after Elijah, to be his servant, his attendant, his apprentice, to be trained, to be a man of God like Elijah. But he's, he's shocked by it all. And he says, first, let me say goodbye to my family. Elijah agrees. And in that moment, Elisha takes everything of his business, everything that's, that's been a part of his life in his past, and he burns it. 
He burns the plow. He burns the ox up. He feeds everyone. And he walks away with Elisha with faith that what's ahead of him is better than what's been behind him. And that's my challenge for you today. You can put feet to your faith a lot of ways here at City Church. One thing we're going to start asking you to do is to consider jumping into a life group like Carlin and Carlin and Anna, like so many others who've decided to give that a shot. We're going to have a new season starting in just a few weeks on April the 14th. We're going to launch new groups. We're going to, we're going to take a break for a couple weeks, but we're, we're going to come back and open our doors to anybody that wants to be a part of that. Or maybe like Carlin and Anna, you know God's calling you to put feet to your faith and lead a group. God's tugging at your heart in that. Don't be timid. This might feel sudden. This call might be coming all at once, but don't walk away from it. I promise you what's ahead of you with Christ is better than what's behind you. Second, I want to call you to do something called growth track. And I hope this doesn't feel like a commercial because it's really not. It's an invitation. And growth track in the month of April, we'll do it before service at 915 and then we'll do it after service. As soon as service wraps up, we'll go into the black box, the theater room, and we'll, we'll gather and we'll wrestle with what it really means to follow Jesus and how you can do that with us here at City Church. We'll help you find your, your purpose, how God's uniquely shaped you, and then we'll get you connected with people so you can start walking it out and you can take three steps to a life better rooted in Christ, clothed with Him. And finally, I wanna just call you to something super simple. This might be the easiest thing for you to do right now. And that's to pray. To come and just let one of your brothers and sisters here pray for you this morning. We're about to worship together. And I want you to just listen for the Spirit's leading on how you can put feet to your faith this morning. If it's jumping into a group, leading a group. If it's jumping into growth track. Or if it's just coming forward for prayer today. Believe with us that God's calling you into something better than anything you've had. Be willing to put feet to your faith this morning. Stand with me if you don't mind. Let me pray, and then we'll begin to worship together. Father, we come in the name of Jesus for the life that is truly life. We invite your spirit to minister to us now, Lord, to, uh, to convict us of what step we could take to give us courage to do it and boldness, Lord, to, to follow after the one who's thrown his arms around us, who longs to clothe us with peace, joy, with love. Father, help us to hear your voice now and to move toward you, we ask in Jesus' name.